0: 2.8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Song is on, on SAFM. Despite humble beginnings, Julia Makubela rose to the position of operations director at a digital marketing agency. At the boardroom table and as a high-ranking manager, she saw how decisions were taken. Often well-meaning and well-intentioned, these decisions did not account for the reality that many South Africans faced. So in 2018, she founded 5424, a consultancy with a concrete goal in mind, to improve the working conditions for ordinary people. As she succinctly puts it, I used to be customer-focused, now I am employee-focused. It could be something as simple as acknowledging the people that are taking taxis to come in for interviews at 8 a.m. At and considering, is it a reasonable time for the interview or structuring the workday to enable working parents to, loc- to look after their children and work at the same time? It's often the little things that matter. And certainly in a post, open close quote post-COVID society, these things matter all that much more given the state of the economy, the changing game that the work from home environment brings, and certainly how certain businesses, particularly small businesses, are a lot more vulnerable now than they might have been before. Julia, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM. I love the smile you're wearing.
1: <laughs> thank you, Songezo, and uh, thank you for welcoming me. And hello to everybody listening.
0: Fifty-four twenty-four. I mean, we talk about humble beginnings, yeah. Um, this is quite an interesting name, fifty-four twenty-four, and it's the numeral five four, and then the word twenty-four. Yeah. Share with us the story behind that. Sure.
1: So 5424 is the street number of my childhood home in Orlando East. And if you don't know, Orlando East is a low-income community in Soweto. And growing up in Orlando East, um, things were really difficult because people were unemployed, unemployable, meaning that even if they tried, they couldn't find work. And I was raised by uh, domestic workers, by gardeners. And when I started working... You know, I started working after the 90s, and you know the 90s were euphoric. It was the Rainbow Nation, um, it was Nelson Mandela was the first black president, we won the Rugby World Cup, all these things were happening. SABC One had Simunye, which was all around Mm. inclusivity. So I walked into the workplace knowing that even though my mother was a factory worker, I was going to walk into an inclusive workplace, which was not what I found. And so when I founded 5424, I actually wanted to really bring that 90s euphoria to life in the workplace.
0: Let's talk about what you did not find, because the, your context is a beautiful one. Transitioning from apartheid to democratic South Africa. The consensus was indeed masakane. Yes. The conversation was rainbow nation. It had a figure that was globally respected and acknowledged who himself espoused the best and truest values of humanity the founding president of our democracy tatu nelson mandela but then your lived experience was quite contradictory to all of this rhetoric certainly that it became
1: yes definitely so if i think back to when i started working i think i was the second generation into the workplace um, in terms of now this is building a new south africa and what I found was that organizations were speaking it, so they were actually publicly speaking about it. However, the leaders were not inclusive in their attitude and behavior. So you had people that had to lead a very diverse uh, workforce, but they had no empathy. Mm. So they there was no understanding that I come from a family where I don't have mentors. I don't know how to navigate this workplace. I didn't even have money for my first month coming in. hey. So I had to hustle for money. So the workplace wasn't really designed for diverse people and people that might be the first generation um, earner like I was, who might have black tax, which is what I had. And so when I became an operations director, what was shocking to me, which shouldn't have been, was how there were younger people who had similar experiences. They mm-hmm. were the first in their family They had very first moments, might have moved from Durban to Johannesburg, have never been on a plane. And suddenly they have to navigate this workplace and they have no manual. They have no one at home who can give them practical advice.
0: And that trial and error that becomes their manual at times then becomes career limiting, Yes. more particularly say in your established professions, say the legal system you got to do your articles, after which only then are you retained. The similar thing for articles in the accountancy profession, just to mention two examples that are immediate to me. I don't imagine it would be too different, if at all, in other industries in that your first job really is probably going to be your most ever difficult job because the transition is great. You are young. Then we encounter all of these socioeconomic issues mm. that then define who you are as you present at work. Let's then talk about what you found. Let's talk about these biases that corporations have, not necessarily because they're mean, mm. ill. At times, of course they do. I mean, there are many anecdotes that many at home who are listening to this conversation might well and truly pick up the phone and share with us. And I do invite those if there are any out there. But the reality is people can only prepare against their circumstance, against their socialization, against their experience, yes. Yes. against what is familiar to them, against what they know. Yes. And not about anything else that is not their culture, not their system, not their ways of life, not their experience, not their outlook. Yeah. And that dichotomy then becomes something that is a political hot potato in the workplace.
1: Mm. So speaking of the the biases, there's, there's, I guess let's group them into two. There's cognitive, which is what you're speaking about. We come from a a person might come from a certain culture, a racial group. Um, might think of women a certain way, and that builds like your mental biases. And then there are institutional biases. And the difference is that institutional biases are things that seem like they're normal. Like as as an example, English seems like a normal business language. And so what happens is we have then an accent bias. So if somebody has a an accent that is are linked to their indigenous language, mm. they might be seen as if they're not intelligent.
0: And by and the converse to that, sorry to interrupt you, mm. is somebody who has an accent like me will be thought to be intelligent. Yes. Nothing could be further from the truth, <laughs> as it were.
1: Right, yeah. And so that, that informs um, hiring decisions, that informs promotion decisions, that informs performance management decisions. And so these biases, not only do they live in our heads, but then they inform the decisions that are made. Who do I invite? Who do I mentor? Um, who becomes the person that I advocate for when I'm in meetings? And so yeah, they live inside our heads, but they also live in institutions and how and the outcomes. So when I started working, um, as an example, what, what corporate looked like, which I still think it does in my work, is a cappuccino. So very brown at the bottom, white at the top with sprinkles of brown. And and the reason why it doesn't change is wow. because of affinity bias. So we prefer people who are similar to us. So if I'm going to mentor and promote and advocate, I'm going to advocate for someone similar to me. So that cappuccino model doesn't ever change.
0: Tell me, would it be any different if the converse were true? In other words, the cappuccino had milk at the bottom and the espresso itself was at the top and the cream was made out of cocoa and it was this foamy beautiful thing with sprinkles of white sugar is it possible for a scenario like that
1: sure yeah definitely um and your question is such an important question because we can so without self awareness so if individuals are not self aware they're not managing their biases we too can we too can i guess using the word oppress others loosely um, so that that could happen, definitely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely.
0: We're running out of time here, but the essence of this conversation then becomes how do we empower you, Julia, when you entered your job? There mm. is a Julia out there right now. For that matter, when I went to do my article CDH in Cape Town 2010, I mean, I'd gone through the Model C system. I'd mm. gone to... Uh, previously black university forte, I just concluded my master's at Stellenbosch, if you like, so I had the spectrum. But when I went to that workplace, Mm. it became pretty clear pretty quickly. I was still an African, and there were certain things, certain things that I simply couldn't relate to or relate with. I moved clearly very differently. I thought Mm. wrongly that my experience as a Model C kid would somehow... Help me navigate that space. And to a point it did.
1: Mm. But
0: I think, and this is the point I want to make, my truth found me there. And that was, you're still an African in a largely white corporate setup Mm. that had never contemplated you, certainly when it was founded, you would ever be here. So how do you speak to me back in 2010? How do you speak to yourself in the late 90s, early 2000s? Because that person is still around now who's catching a taxi tomorrow morning, is probably sleeping now, is probably sleeping now without electricity. Yeah. They have to wake up in the morning and warm the water on a kettle or on a primer stove, wash in a vascom, and then walk a couple of kilometers to catch a taxi. Yeah. And then change taxis at Nuart or at some other place to catch the final taxi. And then they get off at the station and walk. And they've got an eight o'clock meeting.
1: And if it's a woman in our culture, it's in winter, South it's dark, Africa... It's cold. Yeah. No, it exposed. can escalate. So the first thing that I do with organizations is for them to understand their workforce. What do they need? So you can't assume this is what people are going to need. It's for you to understand. We're trying to include young people of color. We're trying to include women. What do they need? What is it? How can we set up the environment so that it enables them to be safe, because you're speaking about safety, to feel included and to have resources that will set them up for success? And so the, the answer to your question, Songezo, is that this is an exercise in empathy. So it's asking people, what do you need in order for you to be successful and safe and included?
0: That then presupposes there is somebody within the establishment mm. or the institution who is that empathetic person, who's aware of one's bias as much as the institutional bias, and then takes deliberate measures, if not to completely circumvent that to at least attend and attempt to do so. Speak then to an operations manager of influence Mm. who is sitting where the cream is and can say something and that something happen.
1: Sure. I love everything you're saying because it is... uh, So a lot of organizations will be diverse at the bottom, but it actually matters to be diverse at the top. And when you are a a person in position of power, which is something that I had to learn is to lean into those uncomfortable conversations where some people might not understand what you're speaking about, but really investing time and energy into educating them around If we want to win talent, if we want to become an employer of choice, Mm -hmm. we need to understand people. So I had to learn how to lean into those conversations because I was also like the only one who looked like me, who had my background. So I had to learn how to have these powerful, uncomfortable conversations around, if we really want to attract South African talent, the majority are gonna come from circumstances that us sitting on this table are not necessarily gonna understand and we need to. And empathy in a practical manner is how do we engage talent to understand what they need so that we can set them up for success?
0: It's not often we have the entire segment of a conversation with not so much even a text, voice note or call. One of two things is true. This was the perfect conversation, well-pitched, well-balanced, and you left nothing on the table. So you satisfied every inquiry that might have been at home or, which absolutely is not true, this was a complete doc show. <laughs> Julia, thank you very much for your time. We do appreciate that. And thank you for sharing your experience as eloquently and as genuinely as you did. It certainly has landed, I have no doubt, with one or two listeners at home.
1: Thank you, Songeza, And thank you to the listeners at home.
0: Ms. Julia Makubela, founding CEO of 5424. Everything she talked about, this is now what they do in engaging corporations to make sure there aren't more Julias who are taking to work for the first time in experience the kinds of things she went through, no doubt you too at home might be going through. 2127, final conversation coming up. Ambassador, I beg your pardon, Representative Mr. Oliver Liao from the Taiwan liaison, Taipei liaison office in the Taiwan Republic of China after the break.